Courage to Hope with Tony LaGreca is a show supporting the fight for sobriety against substance abuse and changing the stigma that comes along with it. Tony has been helping families, friends, and loved ones discover recovery services as well as coping skills for over six years following the death of his own son to opioids. Join Tony and his guests each week as they reveal the courage to hope. Here's your host, Tony LaGreca. Thank you, Ben. This is Courage to Hope, and I'm Tony LaGreca. And tonight we have Linda S. on as our guest. Linda, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, uh, Tony. Um, I want to take the opportunity to thank uh, WMEX for their continued support of our public service announcement campaign, which is um, so vital, especially in these times uh, for reaching the sick and suffering alcoholic. Yes. And so, Linda, uh, to give our audience a little idea, what is your what is your title at AA? Um, well, I am uh, I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been I'm in my 44th year of, of sobriety. Thank you, God. And I currently serve on a voluntary basis because Alcoholics Anonymous is all voluntary, um, with the exception of paid staff in our office in New York. I'm uh, my current um, responsibility is I am the public information and cooperation with the professional community liaison for Plymouth County. I serve um, eight communities uh, and I provide literature or speaking engagements, or I have 60 offices that I drop literature to. So if you're in the towns of Carver, Duxbury, Halifax, <clears throat> Kingston, um, Plymouth, Plimpton, Marshfield, you could go to your local library, your board of health, your police station, your council on aging, your veteran services, and pick up information on Alcoholics Anonymous. <clears throat> That's what we do to make sure that we are carrying the message to the still sick and suffering alcoholic. My opinions, um, Tony, are my own opinions. We do not have any spokespeople for Alcoholics Anonymous, so I want to make your listening audience aware of that. No one speaks for AA. I will be giving my opinion as an individual Alcoholics Anonymous member. And I thank you for the opportunity. Well, we appreciate you being here. Um, so as we were talking earlier, we're going into the trifecta holiday season. We'll call it the the um, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's, which is probably one of the toughest times for someone who wants to stay sober. And um, how do we manage that? What's the best thing we sh they should be doing this time of the year? Well, of course, you know, the first one, as you and I both know, is you don't drink no matter what. Um, but I, I do want to quantify that uh, a little bit, um, Tony, and let people know that, you know, Alcoholics, and, uh, alcoholics people uh, who are in Alcoholics Anonymous stay sober under all conditions. We don't need a trifecta to have to double down. In, in World War II, we had men that were in foxholes that managed to stay sober. And all they had to hang on to maybe was a letter from our loners internationalists. We AA members used to write letters to people who couldn't get to meetings. Today we have Zoom. That's how far we've progressed. We have to, had to change with the times. So staying sober under difficult conditions is not something unusual for an alcoholic. And, and for people with, um, <clears throat> with alcoholism or addiction issues, um, you know, everyday life can get lifey, right? And it could just be you're breaking your shoestring and that's what puts you over the edge. So he here's what I think is the important thing. You know, um, 
uh, Aerosmith has a song, it's called Amazing, you know, in the blink of an eye, you finally see the light, which is what happens to a lot of uh, alcoholics. All of a sudden, we get it. Um, and those of us who are fortunate enough not to die um, and, to, and to get sober, you know, we realize that this is, this is for the long run. This is a day at a time, sobriety. The longest day anybody's ever been sober is 24 hours. So it's important that, first and foremost, um, <clears throat> I always encourage a newcomer not to go to family gatherings the first year of sobriety. And I do that for a number of reasons. <clears throat> and the number of reasons are families are families. Um, and when we walk into a situation like that, we should be only walking into a situation like that with the thought in our minds that what can I bring to this occasion? Not a food item. We're talking about a calm soul, a kind word, something that I can contribute to this gathering and not something that I'm looking to get out of this gathering. It's not a place to do four-step amends. It's not a place to brag about sobriety. It is a place to just enjoy the love of a family if you have a family that's like that um, and um, to see what you can bring to it. Most of us in our first year don't find ourselves in that position and that can be a very slippery slope. So uh, as opposed to going to a family occasion and you and I both know, um, Tony, because we both suffer from addiction, um, you know, we can give an excuse in a heartbeat to, to cover up our addiction or our drinking or whatever it is when we said we were gonna do something and we didn't do it. So maybe this is the time that you let uh, an excuse, you know, uh, work for you as opposed to against you. Maybe this year is the year that you say, I have a friend in need. And perhaps that friend can be your little self that you're trying to maintain control of um, and stay sober. Uh, perhaps that you take a newcomer to a meeting uh, or you go to one of the Alcathons. An Alcathon starts the night before, usually around five o'clock. It usually runs all night. And you can call our Boston Central Service Office, and that's 617-426-9444, and ask them for the information on Alcathons. It's a period of time. As opposed to a meeting that's usually an hour or an hour and a half long, an Alcathon will usually start 5 p.m., the night before a holiday. So Thanksgiving Eve, 5 p.m., an Alcathon will start. We will have continuous meetings all night long until usually five o'clock the day of the holiday. And we do usually run those during, as you said, the trifecta. It's a Thanksgiving, it's a Christmas, and it's a New Year's Alcathon. And we do have some of those. Um, you, run it all, you, run it, you run it all night? Like we run midnight it all night long because... Alcoholism does not shut off at 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. It's alcoholism lives inside us. So to cope with that, um, we run alcathons. And, and when I say we, I mean individual groups will get together and people will volunteer their time to either do a hybrid meeting, which is you will have a location that you can go to in person. So there's the, the, the tie-in about you have a friend in need. You could bring a newcomer to that meeting. You could go with your sponsor um, <clears throat> and um, and you can stay there all night in the safety of other alcoholics who are staying sober. And what happens 
in a lot of these is different groups will come in and they will put on a regular AA meeting for a specified period of time, an hour or an hour and a half. And then another group will come in and put on another meeting. Um, so again, you can go to aaboston.org or 617-426-9444. And during the holiday, our Boston office is open from 12 to 9. And um, you will have someone there to speak with. So, so that's something that you can do. You can double down on your meetings, uh, which is a good idea. You can, you can, you can line up other AA activities. Um, so, when you're giving that excuse to the family, you can say, "Well, I'm going to be with a friend, and when we're doing something else." And that can be, "Hey, maybe you ask two or three people to your home." And maybe you make a meal or maybe you invite them in for a cup of coffee and you have a little meeting and, and a get together with people that you're getting sober with. Um, or you go out and meet somebody and have a cup of coffee. You keep yourself busy. but you, So you can host an event. You can go to event. Plenty of AAs uh, have events within their homes. Um, you need to keep your telephone list with you on you at all times, which is the, the, the numbers that people have given you. And what we say to you is, before you pick up that drink, pick up the phone. And today that's so much easier because who doesn't have a cell phone on them? Uh, and again, to get back to the skip any uh, drinking occasion you're nervous about, you know, why put yourself in jeopardy? when you're in your training wheels, wait till you're on, you know, you're in the big girl shorts and you can, again, bring something to the occasion and not put yourself in a precarious position. Um, you know, I, I've always said at meetings and the old timers used to say that, you know, kid, on most occasions you were the turkey, you know, <laughs> because this time it was going to be different. And invariably you got drunk and invariably there was a fight because the world is supposed to revolve around you. Well, when you get sober, the world no longer revolves around you. And if when you're on good grounds, you will know that. Um, so I always encourage people to, you know, the family situation is a dynamic that is going to take years um, because this is a family illness. It's going to take years to, to heal. So why do that to yourself when you're on your training wheels? Um, it, listen, if you decide you absolutely have to go, go, go early, leave early. Okay, go and help with the meal, and and you know because then you're busy, and then leave leave right away. Make sure you bring your own car, um, and bring an AA if you can as a plus one, which and we believe in women for women and men for men. Um, as a plus one, say I have a friend who has nowhere to go. Could she come? Could he, could he come? Bring a support system with you. But what's critical here is if you decide to go to a family occasion, we suggest that you go early and you leave early. Because a lot of the Meshuggah starts, you know, after everybody's had a few, right? You, you don't need to be there then. Because you, if you're alcoholic, you have nothing that you can bring to that occasion. Um <clears throat> And uh, again, if you decide to go to a family event, ask yourself, what can I bring to this? And can I bring kind words? And I can, can I bring my new self? Can I bring a calm soul? Um, and it is not the time to start making up for all the wrongs that have been done to the family over the years. So please, 
leave that for another time. Um, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say on Thanksgiving you could probably pull that off, but uh, Christmas is a little different um, kind of a scenario where you're um, you might have presents to exchange and things like that. So you have a little more. The, the meal isn't the big feature usually at Christmas time. It's more the present exchange. So what's, what's your opinion on that? Uh, again, go early, leave early. You know, go early, say, listen, I, it's this simple. You and I were great at excuses, right? It's this simple. Geez, you know, I, I, I can only stay for a little while. This is for office parties, too. If you are an alcoholic that's, that's you know, in sobriety and, and expected to be at, a, at an office party, you know, to exchange gifts or whatever. Go early, leave early. Uh, you know, go bring the gifts, open the gifts. Say, you know, geez, I'd love to stay, but it's been lovely seeing you and out the door you go. You know, you've done your deal. You've And, and hopefully some of that was enjoyable. And you extricate yourself before you know, the, the questions start or the drinking starts or whatever. You, it, this is a time when an alcoholic needs to double down on realizing my sobriety is the most important part of this holiday. It's got nothing to do with the rest of it. You know, the rest of the trappings are wonderful, but it is about sobriety. It's about staying sober one moment one minute, one day at a time, and getting through the holiday till the next day. I also want to add that a lot of times, Tony, it's not the holiday that that causes us the angst. It's the day after the holiday. Um, and sometimes loneliness can pop in, and sometimes the poor me's can pop in. And you and I both know that that poor means poor me, poor me, poor me another drink. You know, no... It's not always going to be like this uh, because I, 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 you and I know this. I have a very rich, full life. I can go any place that I want. I can do anything that I want because I've had years of training on how to stay away from a drink. But that was not okay. the case in the beginning. All right. So let's kind of change this a little bit. So let's say I'm I'm a newbie and I've never been to an AA meeting. Um, let's talk about what somebody, what's what's it going to be like for the first time for someone who comes to an AA meeting? What what should they expect? Well, that's a, that's a really actually a really good question. Uh, and first of all, uh, I want to say that on you know today we have Zoom. Um, so uh, which is wonderful because you know you can have recovery in the comfort of your home. Um, However, there is something to be said for, uh, you know, missing the socialization and the fellowship uh, of meeting in person with other alcoholics. Um, so when you go into an AA meeting, please know that everybody else you, you see there, even if you know some people there, are there for the very same reason that you are. So if you know them, there's no need to have guilt, remorse or shame. There, nobody would listen. I've been here a long time. I've never met anybody that said I thought I'd get all gussied up today and go to an AA meeting. It's never happened. So if people yeah. are there, they're alcoholics. Okay. So depending upon what type of meeting you go to, there will be a difference. We have open meetings, which is usually speakers will talk about their stories. We have closed discussion meetings, which are closed and they are for alcoholics only. Anyone can go to an open meeting, but a closed meeting is for alcoholics only. And that could be a speaker discussion. Then we have 12-step meetings, which is our recovery program. 
12 tradition meeting, meetings, which is also part of our recovery program. So, Again, so yeah. it will be different. But you what, said that pretty fast. So the, when you say that people will tell their story, so does that mean somebody gets up and tells them why they're an alcoholic or that the what's happened or what, what, what does that mean? That, um, uh, they tell the bad, you know, to try to stop people from drinking and how's, yeah. how does that work? Well, that's an, another good question. You know, and I just assume, I just assume people know this, which of course they don't. Right. Um, yeah. when, when a speaker talks at a meeting, uh, they talk about <clears throat> what it used to be like uh, and what it's like now. So you talk about what your life was like maybe before you drank, what, what your life was like when you drank, what your life is like now that you are in recovery. Um, and that's what you will hear uh, at a speaker meeting. And, and truthfully, um, you, you, you can't scare an alcoholic. Uh, the, you know, I mean, because we all think that, the, you know, it's going to be different. You know, that 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 can't happen to us. You know, um, in, in my particular case, uh, you know, I was uh, in my 20s when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. And by that time, I had lost everything in my life. I was on a mattress on the floor and I had a baby on a mattress on a floor next to me. Um, you know, I'm a low bottom drunk. Not everyone is a low bottom drunk because we've been successful at raising the level at which people can recognize and do something about their alcoholism because we've been at this since 1935. Um, but what what will be common in all AA meetings is the fellowship. And normally there's somebody at the door who's greeting. And, and if you're new, we'll take you around, you know, to meet other people. And again, please know that these people did not get gussied up to come to this meeting. They're there because they're alcoholics and they're on a day at a time program and they're at a meeting getting their medicine. That's really what we do a day at a time. Um, so th that will be the commonality on Zoom. Of course, it is a little bit different. You'll have the screen with the 24 people in front of you uh, and there might be a discussion uh, and they might pick a topic and the topic could be gratitude and different people will raise their hand and they will share their experience, strength and hope on that particular issue. You could find that in an in-person meeting, too, especially uh, around the holidays. Some groups will come in and they will have a red ball meeting. And it's literally a red ball that gets thrown around. Whoever catches it has to share on whatever the subject said. We are not a glum lot, Tony. We have a lot of fun. I mean, sobriety is not about brooding about not being able to drink anymore. Sobriety is about the saying here is alcohol demanded that I gave up everything to drink. Alcoholics Anonymous only asks that I give up drinking to have everything else in my life. And I that's like that. that's what happens in recovery. You know, normal people, and I know that you know this, normal people change their behaviors to reach their goals. Alcoholics change their goals to continue their drinking behaviors. And that ladder never goes up. We only go down that ladder. We give up everything that was important to us to drink. So when you uh, go that's... to an AA meeting, know that the people that you're there with, the commonality that you have with them, when we ask you to identify with them and not compare, because your commonality is pain and loss and a disease, a threefold illness called alcoholism. So now you classify it as a disease? 
Absolutely. The medical profession and Alcoholics Anonymous see, uh, has, sees alcoholism as a, recognized as a highly prevalent, progressive, chronic, disabling, and many times terminal illness. Uh, it, and as you know, it can never be cured. Uh, but like other diseases, it can be arrested, uh, which stops the progression of the illness. However, that's contingent on the fact that the alcoholic does not drink again. Unlike most illnesses, alcoholism is a threefold illness. It's mental, it's physical, and it's spiritual. We have a mental obsession with booze and drugs. It doesn't start out like that, but that's what happens. It encompasses all of our thoughts. Where am I going to drink? Who am I going to drink with? I, I don't want that to happen. So I have to change this or, you know, it's the mental obsession. And that's, that's compounded with a physical compulsion to drink, which means one drink is not enough and 40 is too many. And that compulsion cannot be broken by willpower alone. It just, it, it doesn't happen. Now, are there alcoholics that can drink one drink? Yeah, there are alcoholics that can drink one drink and they're, they're white knuckling it. And maybe it's two weeks later that they find themselves with a lost weekend. There are all kinds of, uh, of, of alcohol presents in, in many different ways in, in all alcoholics. And the third part of this illness, um, Tony, is we lose our moral compass. In most instances, liars, liars and cheats. You know, we're lying about everything because we want to drink. And, you know, that's not the way that we wanted to be. When, when we were growing up, that's not the moral compass that we want to have running our lives today. And and that that is how deeply this illness affects us. It, it just strips us of everything that's good and decent and wonderful. And it just leaves us with a, a, a hole in our soul that's just composed of guilt, remorse, and shame. And those of us that, that are fortunate enough to double down and get sober. And, and trust me, it, it's not easy to get sober. This is not a, you know, you're going to walk into the white bubble of light. You have to work for this because this is a very powerful illness and it, it, it never leaves us. I, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. I was sitting in uh, British Columbia in Victoria in an absolutely gorgeous hotel at a high tea. And uh, we had the best seat in the house. The concierge was, was just wonderful to us. And my cousin, who I love and who's a Hall of Fame chef, well, she asked if we could order the um, the high tea with the champagne. I, I've been at drinking occasions. It's never bothered me. You know, I, I don't drink. I put my glasses upside down the whole bit. Well, let me tell you, though, that glass came and that little fluted glass was calling to me. It was bubbling and I saw I saw all things good in that glass. I'm 40 years sober came out of the blue. And I knew what to do about that. I removed the glass from in front of my face. And, and, and I know, and I know what predicated that hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I've been traveling for days. You know, I'm out of my element, right? Not at a meeting. So it doesn't matter how long you've been soaked. Did I drink that day? No. But the point in me sharing that story is alcoholism, alcoholism, the disease of alcoholism is going to sit on my shoulder for the rest of my life. And it's going to wait for the opportunity. 
And, and my goal every day is to defeat that little fairy sitting on my shoulder. <laughs> you know, it is not yeah. a laughing matter. It's a serious illness. But, you know, I tend to look at that as the S fairy. And, you know, Ben will X that out so I can't say that. But, uh, you know, those of us that have been sober know you, you get one day. Now, I've had a lot of one days put together. So, you know, I've had a lot of time on title here. It's a lot easier to fight something. But again, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. You can break the shoelace. You can be under stressful situations. You know, you have to be on your guard. So the trifecta for me, Tony, happens every day. This is an everyday thing for an alcoholic to get sober. It just, because of society, it just ends up making this situation that we that we must live with a little bit more difficult because of who, what, when, where, and why. And I know that you're very familiar with that. Oh, yeah. Mine is, as a, to make it for people to understand that are listening, <clears throat> mine is gambling. And I, I can't even watch the World Series of poker on television. And now it's getting worse. Every time you watch a football game or a baseball game, they're giving you odds to bet, you know, at halftime. And they're giving you odds to do all these things. And it's like, forget it. I can't, I can't watch that. You know, I just, it's, it spoils the regular sport for me. Yeah. So I just, I'm done with it, you know? So I, <clears throat> I just like to be able to block out the bottoms, the bottom crawl, you know, because now they're, they're showing it constantly on TV. Um, so now let's, let's say you, you had somebody who was in your, in your sphere, who's an alcoholic and all of a sudden they do slip. Um, there's people who are listening to us who's, who has a spouse or a child or, um, or a parent who is definitely somebody who's an alcoholic. And we're trying to get them into AA or we're trying to get them into detox. Um, what do you say to those people? You know, I know they go to Al-Anon, but um, and where do you stand on Al-Anon? Is it a good idea? Uh, does it work? Oh, Al Anon is a fabulous program because this is a family illness. And um, many times the alcoholic that goes to, to Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't make it in Alcoholics Anonymous. But that doesn't mean that the spouse or the, the uh, adult children of alcoholics or teenagers that are going to Al Anon um, or Alateen, that doesn't mean that they can't recover. Because an alcoholic makes people, everyone around him or her sick, period. It Period. It is a family right. illness. Um, I, I will tell you, and my, I got here because of Al-Anon. My mother brought home a brochure called Alcoholism, the Merry-Go-Round of Denial. And I read that brochure and I was so resentful. And I have to, I have to be careful about how I'm saying this because I'm on air. And I wasn't sure that she told these people about me and they wrote this brochure. Okay, that's how much, of course, A, that's how self-centered I am, right? I'm the self-centered alcoholic. But B, that's how much I identified with this. And yet when I walked into my first AA meeting, and by the way, my mother brought me there. It was uh, in Marblehead in the basement. And I and I sat around and looked around the room. And here I am. I'm in my 20s, you know, with a pair of shorts, three sizes, too small, chewing gum. And, you know, I, it was the 70s. And I'm looking around redesigning the room. And I'm looking around at these people and I said, well, no wonder they're here. You know, they're half dead anyway. They were probably 40. <laughs> you know? And here I am. You know, they're half dead. No wonder. Yeah. Uh, because that's what an alcoholic does. You know, I'm not going to identify. Um, but um 
so Eleanor uh, is, is a terrific program, and my my heart goes out to these gals uh, because uh, I I really think that they become sicker than the alcoholic. I know in my mother's case, uh, I'll share a small story with you because I grew up in the '70s. You know, I went from booze to drugs to to pills to to needles. Uh, you know, to to crack to heroin to, and then back to booze. And, and and when I went back to booze, my mother said to everyone, "Oh, thank God, she's only drinking." And this is a woman who had been in Al-Anon for years, and I'm not putting down Al-Anon by any chance. I'm uh, what the, the point that I'm making is that that is how sick that the disease of alcoholism can make the people in our lives that we love, because she thought that that was an improvement. And and you know, and I had two more years to drink, and two more years to to go down that ladder. Um, so. I don't encourage anyone in the family to try to get anyone sober. Uh, and there's a reason for that. Because no one in the family who's an, who is not an alcoholic can understand the pain of an alcoholic. I can't tell you how many times, Tony, I came out of a blackout and in my guts. And, and I would wake up and I would be so angry with God because all I wanted to do was die. I, I could not stop the merry-go-round I was on. And I was so angry because all I wanted to do was die, create a hole and allow me to die. And I was in my 20s and I would be looking up at my mother's eyes and she would be, what happened? And and I it would be crushing. It would absolutely be crushing the guilt that I felt because this time, it was going to be different. It was never different. It was only worse. It doesn't matter how many times that I tried to change the parameters. If you drink, it's going to end up the same way or worse than the time before. Um, so I don't encourage anyone in a family, you know, call, have them call the local central service office, which is 617 426 9444 or go to their Al-Anon or Alatine sponsor because their Al-Anon or Alatine sponsor will tell them that drunk is not your problem. You're the problem. You you keep your you, you keep your stuff on your side of the road. It's not about what's happening with that person because those people in our lives that love us walk on eggshells all the time because everything's contingent on whether or not the drunk sobers up. Life is not supposed to be like that, Tony. Life is not supposed to be contingent on someone else trying oh, to get yeah. the program. And, and you know that. So, you know. I do. My mother took me out. When I had a sponsor, her name was Betty, and I owe her my very, the very breath that I breathe. And she was a tough nut. Um, and I thank her every day. She cut my knees off every day, and I, I absolutely needed it. And my mother took me over to Betty's house one day and threw me in the door and said, do something with her, will you? <laughs> and, then my, and then my mother starts to tell Betty what she thinks she should do with me. <laughs> and Betty's having no, absolutely no part of this and, and says, you're out of this now. She's where she needs to be. Go home. <laughs> you know, that's what well. needs to happen. That's what needs to happen. You know, you know, take them to a sponsor or drop them at a meeting or, you know, well, tell them to call somebody, but stay out of it. Can I, you've used you've used the term sponsor several times. So, again, for, an, for a person who's never been to an AA meeting and so forth, how does one become a sponsor and how does one get a sponsor? 
Um, again, good question. Um, a, a sponsor is really a person. Um, and look, he, here's the deal with the sponsor. It, it it's it's going to be odd because basically you're asking somebody to help you with your life. You're not asking them to get married. You're asking them to help you, you know, stay sober. Um, and it doesn't have to be. And I've had a, a number of sponsors over the years. I've moved. They've died, etc. Um, so a sponsor is a person that you're looking around the room and you can identify with them or you like something that they have to say. And again, very important, men for men and women for women. We don't need any other issues other than alcoholism here. So men for men, women for women. So someone that you, you're listening to at a meeting and you like what they have to say or you like you look at them and there's something about them and you say to yourself, God. I wish I had what that woman had. And you don't even know why you feel that way, but you do. Or it's the person who greets you at the door and takes you around to meet other people. And and he or she gives you the number and says, I'll call you tomorrow or call me or or I'll pick you up for another meeting. Or So that sponsor is the person who's going to really take you under his or her wing and teach you the basics of staying sober. And again, you don't have to have the sponsor for the rest of your life. Many times we have what's called a temporary sponsor. It's a person who, you know, first takes you under their wing. Again, to, to, good questions you ask to teach you about the different meetings, you know, the recovery program, the fellowship, how to get, uh, how to, first thing we we try to tell people is get, get busy in Alcoholics Anonymous, become the coffee maker, order the literature, because people will get to know you when you're doing those things. Because we don't want people to know us. We want to stay in our own little isolated place where we've been our whole life and, and continue with the lie that we think our life is. And that's not what recovery is about. Recovery is coming out of that shell and joining life. Um, really in the light in, instead of, you know, in that dark night of our soul. And, and you know what that dark night of the soul is like. So a sponsor is important. Yeah, I know from my history with gambling that, you know, back in the day, you, you called the bookie because we didn't have all this stuff that they have today. And, you know, your whole life became, okay, the lines are going to go at seven o'clock, which means, you know, What's the what is your prediction on who's going to win a game and how many runs are they going to win by? Or how many points are they going to win by? And like basketball would be like minus three for the favorite, you know, and they they have to win by four points to win the bet. But so you lived, you you went out and bought newspapers that had all the all the facts about what's going on. You didn't have the internet and all that, so you find out who's playing, who isn't playing. And uh, somebody's injured or that sort of thing. But your whole time is just spent on that hour or two hours before the lines open. And then when the lines open and they, they open at 7, they close at 7.30. So you got to do everything kind of quick. And then you got to watch the game to see who won or games because you may bet more than one team. And that's a challenge. So you, you bet on the 7.30 game and then you bet on the 9.30 game. So now you're up till 12.30 or 1 o'clock. Uh, all of that just to make a $50 bet or a hundred dollar bet, you know? And um, then when you start losing, you start doubling up, hoping that you're going to be able to double down and get your money back. And then eventually you owe three, $4,000. And now you got to find where you're going to get the money from. 
you know, who you're going to borrow it from and promise them you're going to pay it back, or you're going to get told you have to buy it, borrow it from a loan shark. And then they want 5% a week on what you owe and you can't pay them a little bit at a time. You want, they want either all of, or the interest, one or the other. You know, you can see how you can go down that rabbit hole pretty fast. And I've seen several people do that, you know, plus myself back when I was 25 to 28. It seemed like the 20s was a dangerous year. Oh, yeah. You know? So. And you yeah, have so, perfectly, and you now, have you, perfectly verbalized mental obsession. This time it's going to be different and a dark night of my soul. Your whole life, your whole day was around bowing to your addiction, period. No time for family, no time for friends. Absolutely. Who cares about eating, you know, and, and you probably said to yourself, I'm, more the, one, I'm only going to make one bet today. Today, I'm only going to make one bet. Or something was going to be different with that one bet because that's, that is the physical compulsion for an alcoholic. This time, I'm going to do it different. And I'm going to have a different ending. You know, Tony, denial is not a river in Egypt. It lives between these two ears. That's how strong alcoholism is. Really, when you looked around at other 20-year-olds, and of course you weren't looking around at other 20-year-olds, except in those moments that you had a very, very few moments when you had clarity, they weren't, you know, a, a bet wasn't running them around by their nose. You know, they were having children and, you know, getting careers and, and doing wonderful things with their lives. And I know that you know, because I knew, I was looking around at the people, uh, you know, that I knew that were in high school or places. And, you know, they were had they had careers and they were climbing corporate ladders and they had cars and jobs and homes. And, and what did I have? I ended up with a mattress on the floor, you know, and I, I, what happened to my dreams, goals and aspirations, you know, just like yours, gone, gone in the and in the blink in the again, the Aerosmith song. In the blink of an eye, you finally see the light. It took me two years to sober up. You know, I put together some time. I put together some time. I put together some time. And then I got a sponsor. And that sponsor made that difference in my life because she held me accountable. It was no longer doing it on my own. But you have just perfectly, perfectly described what illness is like when you're talking about addiction. Your whole world was that damn bad. Oh, it's, it was every day, too. Seven right. days a week. Right. Seven days how, a week. And, a, and, and how did that dark night in of in your soul feel? I mean, it, it's just a dark night in our souls. We are so far into our addiction. And then the lying and the excuses. And as you you pointed out, you know, hey, you're, you're stealing from Peter to pay Paul. And maybe that's not you personally. But, you know, the times come when, you know, hey, women that were at home, you know, they're stealing the grocery money or, you know, the, the pe people are stealing from their executive uh, spending accounts or, you know, your there were people that spent all of their college kids education money. Right. Because this time it was going to be different. You know, everyone suffers when that's a person. Right. Everyone suffers. Perfectly oh, done. Yeah, the old, right, the, the old days when you could write out a check, cash it at the supermarket and not have any money to cover it and go every every two days or every three days, write in another one and another one and another one. And you're trying to keep them, keep, stay ahead of it before the check gets back to the bank, hoping that you win the following week so right. you can cover the checks. 
Right. And when that doesn't happen, then you're really in trouble, you know, and right. then, it, <laughs> then it becomes a legal problem yep. before too long, you know, and then you have to run a second mortgage on your house, you know, and, and if you even have that ability to do that, you know, yeah. so. Until you oh, lose yeah, the I, Right. Until you lose the that's, house. That's the final thing. Yep. Until you lose right, the house. Because you're three months behind and they're calling the note to. Yep. Yep. And, and what and, uh, we found out staying sober was, uh, one day at a time, you, you, both of us, is life is not about waiting for the storm to pass, right? It's, it, it's when, that, when those thoughts come into our head, it's not about waiting for the storm to, to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. Life is going to be lifey. You're going to break shoelaces. Things are going to happen to us. We're not, because we're in recovery, we are not in the white bubble of light, right? Life is life. And we have to learn to deal with life and we have to learn to dance in the rain because that's the way it goes. You know, nobody's exempt um, from the trials and tribulations of a normal life. But I'll tell you, and I know that you know this, but I'll, uh, I'll share this with your listening audience. You get pretty damn tough when you sober up because a lot of things have to go. You, you, you have to just not let that get into your mind. You know, it's just, and I'm not talking addiction. I'm talking about the other life things that would cause you to spiral. If you're on, a, if you've got a sponsor and you're going to meetings and you're in your recovery program and you're working your steps to become a better person, because you have to change the person that you brought here. You can't continue to be the same self-centered XYZ that walked into the doors. You have to change yourself to stay sober. And if you're continuing to do those things, your life will get better. Now, will everyone around you get better? They may not be in your life anymore. There's no promises. We don't make those promises, right? We promise that you can and will get better if you follow certain steps. That's what we promise. That's right. I was going to say you have to get a little humble. Oh, you know. <laughs> 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 Which is not to be confused, and I know you know this, not to be confused with humility. We're not talking about, you know, you're you're groveling. That's not what we're talking about in Alcoholics Anonymous. There is a difference between humble and being and humility. Um, and that's very important because people think, oh, well, you know, I, I'm less than. No, you're not less than. If you're sober today, if you've been able to stay away from a bet, a drink, uh, the food, the, the sex, the whatever it is, then you are greater today than you are than you were yesterday. Because today you've got one more notch in your belt to stay away from your addiction. And that's really what it's about. It's the time on title day after day after day. Some days can be slippery slopes. And as you said, the trifecta can certainly be one of those. And, and that's why I applaud you for doing this around the holidays. Because, you know, again, I'm one of those people that thoroughly believes that Thanksgiving is nothing compared to being a foxhole in World War II. However, for the person that's just getting newly sober, Thanksgiving can be just as bad as the foxhole in World War II, right? That's uh, correct. I agree. It, it's a brand new thing. And I and applaud for the, you for doing this. And for the gambler, and for, it's, for the gambler, it's actually worse because Thanksgiving has... Three football games on, one right after the other, after the other, you know. So starts at noontime and goes until one o'clock in the morning, you know. And you can bet on a few basketball games in the meantime because college basketball is going on at the same time. So there's so much 
so yeah. much coming at you, you know, that you could say, wow, you know, I could do this one, that one, bet an action reverse and do it, you know, do all these different things. And, right. Uh, it's how about how about our brothers and sisters who have to go to food food addicts or uh, Overeaters Anonymous? I mean, the holidays are nothing but an edithon, right? I mean, and yet there absolutely. are that, you know, they call their sponsor with their meal plan for the day and they stick to that meal plan for the day because they know if they don't, you know, they know what's where they're headed. They're headed down that ladder again, back into their illness. It's not just, you know, gambling and, and, and alcohol, you know, but I will tell you uh, from a moral issue, you know, people look at a woman drunk the same way they're going to look at an overweight woman. Like, you know, why doesn't she do something about that? Well, you know, that's that's why it's called addiction, right? I mean, if we could do something, we would do something. And we can do something if we're in a recovery program. But without a recovery program, I look, I, I've met a lot of people in my life in recovery and out of recovery. I, my own father-in-law came to, uh, who was an alcoholic, and uh, he came to Alcoholics Anonymous, and he found out the first drink gets you drunk, and he never came back. And he stayed sober. He was the angriest man I've ever met in my life. I still loved him. And he was a wonderful power of example for me because that's not what I wanted out of life. I had already gone through that. My life drinking was all about that. I didn't want any part of that. I wanted laughter and love and humanness in my life. And that's what happens in Alcoholics Anonymous and in Gamblers Anonymous. And you know this. I mean, we're living proof that these programs work. We're also living proof, uh, if I may say, Tony, that, you know, you don't come and then you, you, you call it in. You keep coming. You keep coming. And, and I keep coming for a number of reasons. One, it's my daily medicine. Two, I know that if I'm taking my daily medicine, I will be as good today as I was yesterday. And three... It's important for old timers like us to be there so that people know that this program works, right? Oh, because yeah. there's plenty of power. To, I go to meetings where, yeah, I would say two thirds of the people sitting in the room have more than 20 years of sobriety. And then we'll have someone who's, we just had somebody come yesterday and their first meeting, um, I had a gal that I've been sponsoring and she's up to eight months now. You know, uh, and during the pandemic, we've had scores of people coming into Alcoholics Anonymous because the rate of alcoholism has increased. It, it, according to the National Institute of Health, Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't keep statistics on that, but the rate of alcoholism, and I'm sure, you know, gambling and other addictions have soared, soared. There are so many, right. sick, so many more sick and suffering people now because of the pandemic. It, this has just been a, you talk about a trifecta, right? I mean, the pandemic really was, it, it was, it changed our lives forever. I definitely would agree with that one. Well, the other, the other thing I'd like to point out, though, for a person of um, your age, and I won't say what that age is, <laughs> and you, I seem thank to you, have, <laughs> you seem to have an extremely high level of energy. That's one thing that I know that you would not have if you weren't sober. I mean, I think you you seem to have got more energy than the average person your age. That's a that's a gift from I mean, God. Age is I, only a number, so you definitely yeah, right, right. I have I I've yeah. I'm, this is my uh, birthday month. I'm going to be seventy two this year, and you know I got here when you know when I was in my twenties. Aren't I fortunate? Um, but I, I've always been a highly functioning person, whether uh, you know I was drunk or not drunk. 
but I will tell you, I am now a highly functioning person living in the light um, who has gratitude for every breath that she takes. And um, when I'm down at Hummerock Beach in the morning walking and I see that beautiful sunrise coming up and I can look at the sky and I'm a trained artist, I can look at the sky and I can see the beautiful hues of the color blue. And I see that magnificent sunlight coming up. And you know what I know, Tony? I know that I am as great as that sunset because God is underneath my wings today, helping me to stay sober because I asked him for help. And this is not about a religious program. This is about a belief in a power greater than myself. And my sponsor, Betty, once looked at me because I struggled with that, with the God thing. And she looked at me one day and she said, kid, can you make it rain? <laughs> I looked at her like, what is this loon talking about? Of course, I can't make it rain. And she said, well, something yeah. does, right? So that's who you pray to. She said, God stands for a group of drunks or good orderly direction. And all you need to know is that the 50 people sitting in this room are sober because they got on their knees and they asked a power greater than themselves to keep them away from a drink or a drug for one day. And at the end of the day, they thanked that same power greater than themselves for one day without a drink. And that's been my passion in life. That's why I, I do what I do uh, for Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, it's important that we pass on what we've been given and we do that with conviction. And look what you're doing. I mean, what I'm doing is, you know, nothing compared to what you're doing. I mean, how many you you reach? I mean, your signal now, 10,000 watts, you go up to Maine. I mean, look at the people that listen to you every day. It's amazing. You know, and and. Yeah. The, the people that came no. for us gave us this gift and we worked hard to get it and keep it. And now we owe it to the next generations coming up to pass this on, to make sure that this goes on in its entirety. Okay. Is there one last thing before we run out of time that, that I, that I didn't, we didn't talk about that you want to talk about, or do you think we covered it all? Um, I think we covered it all. I, I would like to just, um, Circle back, though, and let your listening audience know that our Boston Central Service office telephone number is 617-426-9444. And the website is aaboston.org. And you can find meetings throughout eastern Massachusetts there. And our New York website, which is our general service office, is a 24-7 website. It has public service announcements, video format that you can watch from the convenience and the privacy of your own home. You can go on to that website, which is aa.org, and you can download one copy of every single brochure that we make, including um, the basic one called Is AA for You? Uh, it's 12 questions um, to ask yourself. I don't know, if, do we have time for 12 questions if I briefly do this? Uh, have you ever decided to stop drinking for a week or so, but only lasted for a couple of days? Do you wish people would mind their own business about your well, drinking? Things like that. So there's there's 12 of these questions that you can go and answer okay, yourself. We'll, we'll put that on our website. Okay, great. So it's aa.org. So if anybody's if anybody's driving in there, driving in their car and they're not writing this down, 
put it wmexboston.com. We'll have Ben put it all up on the website. So we'll be able to do that. So Linda Ashby won't thank you for talking with us today. It's been a great, great uh, amount of information that you put out with us today. So this is Tony LaGreca and this is The Courage to Hope. And we thank you all for listening and we'll see you next time.